Welcome back to Caffeinated Bible Chatter. This is Kyle Shields. I'm sitting here with Dylan Brown. And as always, we got the coffee out and the sword is in front of us and it's sharp. What's going on? Man, things are going good. Um, if at all you hear literal chatter, like teeth chatter, that's because we are in in our studio, which I always say is my garage. We're back in the studio, so sound the sound may sound a little clearer this week than it did last week. I'm not sure. Um, but back in the studio, and uh, my garage doesn't have heat, and then that you get goes from there. So uh, the coffee is for more than just the caffeine. It's for more than just the taste. It is to help also keep us warm. Uh, and the Word of God, we're hoping, will do that as well as we fire this bad boy up. Yes. Kyle, what you sipping on today? Um, some black rifle, medium <laughs> medium roast. Hey, man. And no cream, no sugar. As always. <laughs> Jet fuel. <laughs> and as I said this last week, but I'm proud to say again that uh, I'm also sipping on black rifle, which I do like uh, the, their coffee. It's good stuff. Good conservative gun-owning, military-promoting company. You know, you never can go wrong with that. Uh, I don't know if they believe the Bible, but they they got to be closer to believing the Bible than the liberals. So uh, I like that. Um, but I've got, I've, as always, I have creamer in mine. I, I always talk about that. But I also have eggnog for the second week in a row. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, we actually had the youth group that we that I lead was that uh, we had a fellowship the other day, and I mentioned eggnog, and there were, and someone said, isn't eggnog alcoholic? And I'm like, you know, it actually is kind of known for that. But I will say, just to clear the air in case that would be confusing, <laughs> the eggnog I drink is non-alcoholic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. But it's good stuff. Holding so the coffee it. a little closer this. That's right. Breathe, breathing yeah. it in and drinking it yeah. in. <laughs> it is freezing. Um, but all right, I guess we're getting into this one. Yeah. Um, for, I guess, last week, if you didn't listen to that one, we... That was Thanksgiving, um, Thursday. That one came out on Thanksgiving Day. We actually got more listeners than I thought for it yeah. being Thanksgiving. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, but that was uh, showing the importance of, of thankfulness. Um, and we saw, we looked at if we're unthankful, if we don't have thanks, if we're not giving Thanksgiving or not thankful in our life, then it affects a lot of things as we looked at. If you missed that, go check it out. thought it was a good one. It, it showed that it affects our worship. It affects, um, I don't even remember all the points now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just connected with pr- uh, prayer. Yeah, peace. Uh, peace. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things. Like we said last week, you ought to do your own study on it. It's a big deal. Yep. Uh, yeah, you can just type in the word Thanksgiving, thankful, thanks. Follow all the references. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're getting into the what we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, the KJV uh, discussion. And I guess this one will go on for probably a, a few weeks maybe. Not sure how many parts this will be, um, but as far as this first one, uh, we're, we're not actually going to get into the the King James just yet. Um, on this first one, we're going to talk about, I guess, uh, God saying He preserves His words, He will preserve His words, um, and they'll last forever, right? So, so we'll get into that today. Maybe not as much KJV specifically, but as far as God's words, that's what we'll be talking about today. Um, and the reason I think this is a, a good idea or uh, I like this series um, is because for a few reasons, you know, a lot of people carry a KJV, read a KJV, um, but when it comes to why they carry that, maybe 
Maybe they don't have a solid answer on that, and maybe this helps with that, you know? Um, the second reason is the Bible is constantly under attack, right? Today, it's it's ridiculous. Like, I remember the, the first time we were talking about doing this podcast, we put out ads on Facebook, and people were just attacking it like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. People just, just hate this. When you talk about the Bible, people hate it. Um, and I think doing something like this will help combat some of that. Um, and then lastly, there's all kind of versions out there, right? And then maybe somebody listening is saying, well, which one is the right one? That's which right. one should I be reading? Yeah. Right? So I think this will be a, a very interesting topic. Yep. Should be good. Yeah. So I, this is a little off the script. I didn't plan on doing this, but you were kind of talking about we were happy with how the Thanksgiving Day listenership was. Um, so how about this? We had, we've been doing this episode, this, uh, this podcast for a while. How about we let the audience know, even though they don't care, but let the audience know where we're at with uh, regions of the world listening. Okay. Because we care a lot about our podcast. We appreciate every single one of you. We love you. We need you. Okay. But this is this is where we're at. Uh, we have about twenty five hundred downloads. Like I said, I think this is. I think this is. We, we talked about it last week. Is this is the fourteenth episode? I think. Yeah. The, or the one we're doing will be fifteen. This will be fifteen. Okay. So we're about tw- close to twenty five hundred downloads. Um, we are in. We have had downloads in one, two, three, four, five. Oh, oh, I just messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In eight different countries. Uh, some of those, obviously, besides the U.S., those countries being South Africa has the most, Netherlands, Canada, Germany, Isle of Man. I did not know. I pride myself on geography, and I did not know. Yeah, I had to Google that. that yeah, where <laughs> what that even was. Sounds like a uh, item at the grocery store or something. Uh, Iran, a little concerning. <laughs> okay. You're going to watch this. Only now. one download, thank, thankfully. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if another Iranian downloads this, uh, thank you. Uh, and Poland, okay. And then, as far as the U.S., we are we have had thirty five states, so we got fifteen to go. Obviously, the whole southeast is is covered up. Um, most of the Midwest, most of it, some of the Northeast, New England area, California, stuff like that. Um, so it's exciting. Yeah, and we're gonna keep pressing well, on. While we're on the topic of listeners and stuff, if you guys when we when we or if you listen to these, whatever podcast platform you're on, share that to your social media. Absolutely. So, so your friends can see it. Yes, as well. we actually want to. We because we we brainstorm and talk about this and stuff, and we want to grow the social media platform uh, platforms um, because that's where people will find out about us that already don't know us. Most of our listeners, uh, most of them are people that you already knew us, heard we were doing a podcast, saw it on social media, whatever. Okay. Now, there may be some of you that don't know us, and we appreciate you listening, too. Um, but we want to grow that. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, X. I don't know if people call it X, but Twitter X. We just got that uh, in the works, so that's brand new. Um, I think that's it. So uh, that's I guess that's enough sales pitches and plugs. But just I just thought about sharing that. And because it really ties back in, it's exciting because it ties back in, like Kyle was saying, the whole, you know, our very first episode was why we want to do, why we wanted to do a podcast. And I'll say that if, if this podcast did, does nothing else, however long this, this goes on, 
if this podcast does nothing else but increases people's faith in God's word, then that would be really the main objective. Um, because like Kyle said, and Kyle, if you want to go to Genesis 3.1, I thought maybe we can kick it off with that. Uh, but like uh, Kyle said, the, the word of God's under attack. Um, in, and this is not anything new, by the way. It, it, it has manifested itself more clearly over the last uh, 150 years, 100 years. Um, with all, with the does like okay, we're obviously in the English language. There are over a hundred, well over a hundred, I think, versions. Uh, there's a lot, however many there are. There's a there's a bunch, and you know that. Um, and we're actually not doing this whole King James. We've taken a while to get to this, um, because it, it really is a subject that people get upset about, um, and probably because when you think of King James people, like an old preacher from a pulpit screaming about the KJV comes to your mind. And again, uh, a lot of times people don't even know why they believe the King James Bible, but they're loud about it. Um, but we, so we, me and Kyle don't hold to a King James only position for any, for any tradition's sake. Like we could give a rip about tradition. We could give a rip about anything. Uh, we don't try to model ourselves after any specific pastor or any person. We truly just want to honor what we believe is truth. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters, is truth. What is truth? And truth is such a neglected thing, I guess worldwide, but specifically in America, uh, because I mean that is why we have such problems with people, you know, claiming to believe these crazy things, you know, transgenderism, uh, homosexuality being okay, all these different things. Um, and, and their justification is that other people shouldn't tell them what they what they should or shouldn't do. Well, they don't have a standard of truth. And so if we can if we can say emphatically this is where truth lies, then we're on the right we're in the heading in the right direction. And so as we made it clear in past episodes, we are King James only. Um, we're not mad, and like I said, in the, and Kyle mentioned it in this episode, we're not going to say. A whole bunch of, we're not going to defend the King James Bible a lot in this episode. There may be something said in passing, um, but the the uh, the objective of this episode, and we actually didn't even talk about titles, but specifically we're trying to look at preservation in this episode um, because this is this is the big deal. Most everybody believes in inspiration that are that are believers that are Christians. Okay, I'm not talking about the world, but most Christians, whether they're pop, they're big, they're little, they're famous, they're whatever. Most Christians believe in inspiration. They'll even say things like, oh yeah, the word of God is inspired. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, most Christians don't believe the Bible they have in their hand is inspired. And I don't think they believe that because they naturally have that assumption. I I think they have that, that take or that belief because they've been taught that by another man. And so uh, the whole objective of this episode Again, I don't care. At the end of this episode, my goal is not for you to say the King James Bible is the perfect word of God. We believe that, and we're going to spend the next several weeks defending why that we believe that's the case. But my goal in this episode is for you to say, hey, God's words are, are somewhere. They're somewhere. Truth, the perfect truth without error, God speaking to me, speaking to us, it is somewhere. We're going to prove that, I believe, in this episode. And then over the next few weeks, we'll break down why we believe it is where it is in the King James Bible. 
Um, so, Kyle, go ahead. If you want to read Genesis 3.1, and if you know this verse, you already kind of knew we were heading. Uh, but this is, this is an important maybe verse to kind of springboard us into this whole thing. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Uh, that's good. So, all right. So here we go. Uh, we're only into the third chapter in the Bible. And what happens, this is where sin enters the world. But specifically, we see the serpent shows up. Well, who's the serpent? It's Satan. Satan shows up. What does he do? We know the story. Most likely, uh, we, most likely you know it. Satan uh, deceives Eve. Eve, as we see, uh, he tells her in verse two that they may eat of the garden or the fruit of the trees of, of the garden. Or, I'm sorry, that's that's Eve telling Satan what they, what God said. Um, but then in verse four, look what Satan says in response to Eve saying, "We can eat of the trees, but not of this specific tree." Obviously, that being the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 4, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Okay, so two statements that I'm, I'm interested in that Satan brings out here. The first one in verse 1, he says, uh, yea, hath God said. So the first thing that Satan says, his first words to mankind, and we know he is a deceiver. We know he is a liar. The Bible talks about all these things. He's he's actively trying to, to wreck uh, believers' lives. That's, that's what he does. He has an agenda, okay? And it's obviously contrary to the Lord's, but he's questioning God's word. He's questioning what God said to Adam and Eve, okay? And then in verse four, I mean, there's several things he does here. He, he questions God's word. He then, uh, he reinterprets it. And that's really, that gets into a lot of things. And I think we probably hit on some of these things in some of our very, very early episodes, um, but he, he questions God's word and, and, and in this whole thing, the, his whole goal in all of this is he's casting doubt on the word of God. Now, and I want you to notice too, in, in that verse, verse one, the very first characteristic of Satan, it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of, uh, of than any, than any beast of the field. Okay. Okay, I'm going to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you, if you do follow along in your Bible, great. Uh, if not, you can listen. Uh, let's see. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 3 says, But I fear, Paul talking to the church of Corinth, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, that's what he did, we just read about that in Genesis 3, through his subtlety, there it is again, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And so what we find in Genesis 3 is God has given Adam and Eve a very simple word. Eat of the, he wants them to reproduce. He wants them to eat of, of whatever they, you know, all the trees in the garden except for that one. And that was, their, that was the word of God for them. It was very simple, very short. Um, and, and what does Satan do? He comes in through subtlety in a subtle manner. And in this subtle manner, he's what is he doing? He's casting doubt on the word of God. And so his tactics have never changed. His tactics were like that in the very beginning because God's word to Adam and Eve is obviously how he spoke to them. God's word today, as we have in book form, is how he speaks to us. And so it's no different, you know, we know we're in spiritual warfare. 
Uh, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12, I think. Okay? We're in this warfare because Satan has an agenda. And obviously, the, for those of us that are believers, we're called to a mission after coming to Christ. And so Satan's uh, agenda, the warfare that he brings is to stop that. Well, it's just like in regular war. One of the greatest ways to disrupt uh, the other military that they're facing is to mess up the lines of communication. Because if you can't communicate, if people are not on the same page, then things get jacked up. And so many people, uh, many people think that Satan comes to them in these glaringly obvious, big, huge things. And they're like, oh, look at, look at Satan attacking or whatever. And maybe he does at times. But what I've found, I, I tell people all the time at the church, at the church that I serve in, Satan is way more subtle than we normally give credit for. Satan works through religion. Satan works through manipulation of the word of God. Satan works through all of these manners. He's probably not going to come to a bunch of Bible believers and, and try to tempt us with Satanism. Like I've never, I'll just be honest with you. Maybe you have, God bless you. But I've never had a thought one night to think, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what Satanism's like. <laughs> I wonder what it's like to just start worshiping old Satan. I've never had that temptation, okay? And so Satan, he works through subtlety. And so what is he doing in the, the very first time he shows up in the Word of God? Well, he's, he's tempting man. He's, he's, he's casting uh, doubt on the Word of God through a question and then through reinterpretation. And, and so... And notice yeah. when, when he cast doubt in that first verse, that even, even Eve, she said... He said, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the, or, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So even now she's getting mixed up. That's right. Because God didn't say don't touch it. And <laughs> I think, I don't have, I have different Bibles. In one of my Bibles, I have a note in there um, that talks about one of the, the first word that is omitted is the word freely. And that's a shot to the Calvinists out there. You better watch them people that say <laughs> we don't have a free will, bless God. Uh, that was just a sidebar. And I'm kidding. I'm not kidding, but I am. I love you. Okay. Um, anyway. All right. So I, I made this statement that every Christian or, or majority of Christianity believes in inspiration. Okay. But this is, this is important. We, not, we need to understand this. That inspiration without preservation is useless. Okay, so that's mainly the goal and the topic of this episode is, did, did God preserve his words? Okay, because at the end of the day, this is, this is where it gets black and white in this whole thing, in this whole mind, you know, understanding this, this principle. If we don't have God's specific words today, he didn't preserve them. It's just that simple. If it's not in the world today and available, he did not preserve them. Okay, so everybody, majority of Christianity believes in inspiration and they're right in the way they they sort of start it what they'll say is that it's it's verbally inspired okay so Kyle if you want to go to second Peter 121 and they're not wrong for saying that that original inspiration came uh, through men of God speaking that is a that is a biblical truth and so Kyle's got excuse me second Peter 121. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so the first word of God, if you will, 
okay, is actually was actually audible. It was men speaking, okay? So the Spirit of God moving them, of course, is, is, is the inspiration. They're, the Holy Ghost is the original, is the actual author, and he's using these men, these many authors of Scripture, and they are speaking the Word of God. And so, Kyle, if you want to actually go to Jeremiah chapter 36, uh, verse 4. Um, so what we have is, like I said, the Holy Spirit moves these men and they speak what, this, what the Spirit of God moved them to say. And in a lot of the books of the Bible, it's actually somebody else taking what these men are saying and taking that pen to paper or that... Uh, thing to stone or whatever, depending on the time frame, okay? And, and you can see how God is overseeing or superintending the process mm. because the verse right before it, knowing this verse that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Right. So they're not just writing down what they want to write down or speaking what they want to speak. Yeah, <laughs> they're not random authors. They're just like, yeah. hey, let me th-. And it, it all, there's 66 books over thousands of, of years of, of history and they're all, you know, pointing in the same direction, which is an amazing and an amazing thing in and of itself. Um, so Kyle has one example of this, uh, and like I said, there's many. And we'll just give you a couple, but where somebody else is writing as God is moving another man to speak uh, the word of God. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah thirty-six four. Yeah. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. Okay, so there's one example. Another one uh, would be Romans 16.22. Romans 16.22, this is the Apostle Paul, the author of Romans, and Paul actually did not write a majority of of his books. I think Galatians, I'm just going off the top of my head here, I think Galatians he does, uh, but, but majority of them he does not actually physically write them. Now, he is the author, obviously inspired by the Spirit of God. Um, but Romans sixteen twenty two, it says, I, Tertius, I guess that's how you say his name, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Okay, well, the problem with that is when you go to Romans 1, 1, Paul tells us that he's, he's the guy. It says, this is how the, verse, the, chapter, the book starts. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated under the gospel of God. Okay? So that's the process of, uh, again, many people, they'll claim, oh yeah, oh yeah, the, the originals, those are inspired. But they don't actually believe, again, the problem is they don't believe in, in preservation. So the originals, again, started with, the again, if you want, I'm putting air quotes, but if you want to call the original anything, it's men of God speaking. It actually didn't start with writing. It's men writing what these guys were speaking. Okay? So really, this is, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to repeat myself a lot probably, and we'll try to circle this train at the end. But really, the whole originals being the only thing that are inspired argument is a flawed position. Okay, and this is why. So what? So again, where preservation rolls in all of this is actually the word scripture. Okay, so many people would say that that you know scripture is inspired, but again, but then they'll say, well, but the original is inspired. Okay, well, scripture in and of itself um, actually means holy script. It literally means something written down. 
Okay? Uh, so, Kyle, if you want to go to 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And, and all this verse is, I just read you Romans 16, 22, which again uh, was talking about Tertius uh, actually writing what Paul was telling him to write. Paul being the author of the Spirit of God, but Tertius actually wrote it. He's the one that took the pen to paper, uh, the ink to paper or whatever. Uh, but, but Peter, in 2 Peter 3, he actually defends Paul's writings as Scripture. And again, Scripture is when it, it meets paper, okay, in book form. That's what the word Scripture means. Okay, so go ahead and read 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Okay, so the other scriptures in that text would be before Paul, Old Testament, and he, but he also calls what Paul, he said what Paul has written, and, but again, we're showing you, Paul is the author, yes, but another man oftentimes is putting the words to the paper. Okay, what Paul has given, has written, that he calls that scripture. Okay, so again, the problem with the position to say that the quote-unquote originals are the only thing that are inspired, that's a fall position. Okay, again, because we have what we call scripture. Now, the, the, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Let's go to 2 Timothy, big cow. You can go there with me. 2 Timothy 3, 16. And if you were in Awana at all as a kid, or maybe teach Awana now or if you, in, your, in your local church, um, this is kind of the theme verse, verse 16 and 17. But 2 Peter 3, 16 says this. Now, again, remember, Scripture is what is actually written down. So when people say they only believe in the originals, the, the verbally inspired word of God is what they'll say. Again, that's how it started. But because they don't believe in preservation, this is majority of Christianity, they don't believe that their actual scripture they have written down in their hand, their Bible, they don't believe is, is perfectly inspired. Okay, this is the problem with that. Second Corinthians, or Second Timothy 3.16. It says all scripture. Again, we define what scripture is. This is not the second Peter in the just in the standing of the second Peter 121. No, this is when things have 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 made it to paper. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay. Now this is what the critical and I, I'm not again, if you read something other than a King James, I'm not mad at you. Um, I just want to show you why we believe what we believe. Okay, this is what the critic would say that doesn't believe in a perfect Bible. And when I say perfect Bible, I mean word for word what God wants to us today, okay? They may believe in the principles and, you know, the uh, majority of what it teaches, you know, lifestyle things, but they don't believe it word for word. This is what that person would say. Well, the all scripture there is talking about is the originals, okay? And what, again, what they're trying to reference is back, back when those, those holy men of God were speaking and, and, and that sort of thing, okay? But this is the problem with that. 
If you're reading, your, I would encourage you to open your Bible with this or your phone or whatever. I just read you 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.15, the verse before that says this. It's, to, it's Paul talking to Timothy. By the way, Timothy was no hotshot, especially as a kid. All right, he's raised by his mom. He's raised by his grandma. We find that out in, in different texts. But it says this, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Again, what are scripture? It's holy writ. It is what, what it, you know, these men spoke, these holy men of God spake, and then that through preservation makes it to the page. And then that is copied to a page for somebody else to have. And that is copied to another page and, and, and so forth. And here we are today with the Bible. Okay. He says, and that from a whole, that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, this is my question for you. And then, and then he says, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you believe Timothy, a random Jew, raised by his mother and grandmother, had the original autographs that were written thousands and thousands of years ago? Again, he's talking, obviously, to Timothy about the Old Testament at this time because Paul is still writing the New Testament majority of it. So he, do you believe that Timothy had the original autographs of the Old Testament? Like kings somehow didn't have it. Uh, major leaders in the world, no, 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 none of them. No, no, it got bypassed and went to old, old homie Timothy. Him, his mom, and his grandma, they had them. Boy, if, if everybody would have known that, this guy would have been much more well-known in his community. Okay. <laughs> It's it's a flawed position. So what the the word of God is telling us is Timothy has these scriptures, which by the way, is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Now, how would God keep his word perfect when man is copying it over and over and over? Well, that's through preservation. That's through an act of God that that again, I I don't know how to explain it, but I'm going to give you some promises on preservation here in a minute. But God through his supernatural ability, uh, allowing these men to copy this correctly and give it down again from people to people to people to people throughout history, year by year, century by century, to the point we are today where, again, we believe we have the Word of God. And so what is, again, verse 16, all Scripture is what? It's given by inspiration. So, Again, I I don't want to get cra- I don't want to sound crazy because King James only people to the world to most of Christians are crazy, they really are. I, we're not the majority, all right. Go to any church up the street, m- most likely we're not the majority. Most are gonna be the people I told you that say the originals. Okay. While, while you're on the topic of originals, yeah. uh, I don't know if you're gonna read this or not, but in Jeremiah 36, when we were reading about him writing on the roll. Uh, the king actually burns that roll. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you get to verse 27 of Jeremiah 36. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the roll and the mm-hmm. words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, take thee again another roll and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll. So Absolutely. So if you think only the originals. Well, yeah, yeah, and hang in that <laughs> spot because I'll get you to read verse 32. And you read what, 27? 27, 28, yeah. Okay, I'll get you to read 29 and 32 in a second. Um but so this is what we believe at the end of the day. And we're going to give promises on preservation because that's what this whole episode's about. But at the end of the day, we believe that 
as Second Peter one twenty one says, that God moved men to speak, and people took that to to uh, writing. That's that's scripture. But we believe that God's supernatural ability to preserve His Word, He allowed men to continue to copy the the correct text over and over and over, and then eventually translated into English. Now, this is where people get crazy because again, they're like, "Well, how do you know? It's, you know, where did they have the Bible before the King James, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Okay, well, the King James Bible, they use the manuscripts called Texas Receptus. We're going to get into much much more of this in the next several episodes. Uh, but that is a text that comes from Antioch. Well, Antioch is the same place that that was the hub of Christianity in, in the early New Testament. Okay? It's a good thing. Every other modern version that's not the King James, they get their text from Alexandria, Egypt. And we talked about that in very early episodes. Well, Egypt is never good in the Bible. Antioch is. Alexandria is not. And so we believe that it came through that line of, of the Texas Receptus and that, and that God, through his supernatural ability, also breathed on the translating into English in what we have in the King James Version. Okay, now, somebody could say, that's lunacy, and do it. I, that's fine. That Most people do. Praise God. Okay? Um, but as Kyle just said, we have an example in Jeremiah 36. What I want you to see, even if you don't believe it's the King James from this episode, what I want you to see is if God is telling the truth about what he promised to do and keeping his words, then his words are somewhere. Not his principles, not his ideas, although those are important. That comes from his words. But his words are somewhere. And if they're somewhere, we got to know where they're at. Okay? So why would God... Or what I was saying about the Jeremiah thing is we see that example where it gets the, those though the original autograph there, the very very first writing down of what God told Jeremiah, the king burned. So what they do? Well, they they wrote another one. So we know from that alone that Timothy didn't have the first written down scripture from these men. He didn't have it. And we know just from, from obviously breaking that down in 2 Timothy 3, common knowledge that he didn't. But from that example alone, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we can see clearly that he didn't. Okay? And so again, all Scripture, this holy writ, things that are written down. Look up Scripture in a dictionary, in a Webster's 1828 dictionary. It literally is something written down. So again, this logic of saying, well, it's the original verbal inspiration, but that inspiration didn't cover uh, into anything else. Man, that's hogwash based on what the actual wording of scripture is. And what we find is, again, 2 Timothy 3.16, that it is given by inspiration. Okay. Uh, So go ahead and read. I can't remember what it says. I just have it written down. Go ahead and read verse 29 in that text, Kyle. Jeremiah 36. Yeah. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast? Okay, and read uh, verse 32. 32. I can't remember what that says either. But <laughs> Then took Jeremiah another roll, and gave it to Baruch, the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And there were added besides unto them many like words. Okay. So what we have here is uh, Baruch, that's his name, right? Uh, 
Yeah. Baruch, he he writes down the first time what Jeremiah speaks through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But then that's destroyed. And he writes down a second time. You know what that would be? That would be a copy. Okay. That would be a copy. He writes it down a second time. And by the way, he adds some words. Yeah. Okay. And again, man, this this is boy, it's a sticky subject. And it can get excuse me, it can get into so much. Uh, but just that example is so clear on why the original argument is such a flawed thing. Okay. Cal, if you want to go to, to Job 32, eight, Job chapter 32, verse eight. This is actually, I think I should have double checked this. I believe this is the first mention of inspiration in our Bible. But Job 32.8 describes what inspiration actually is. Like, okay, so we describe what scripture is. Okay, well, what is inspiration? We need to actually, let's give a, let's get a working definition of inspiration here. And, this is the first time. It's been yeah, this first time. Kyle confirmed that. Uh, so go ahead and read that bit, Kyle. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Okay, so there is a spirit of man. In, read, I'll read the second part of that one more time. Uh, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Okay, so the, the spirit of man, what gave life to man is God's breath. So what it's describing here is that inspiration is God breathing on something. Okay, so what we believe, well, by the way, we also get that a good cross-reference is Genesis 2-7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Okay, so God's breath br- brings things to life, essentially. God's breath on what he was moving these men to say through the Spirit of God is what makes this God's word. It's what gives it life, okay? And this is the deal. God is, every attribute of God is eternal, okay? God is forever. We know that. God's eternal, and I don't know how God can be eternal without his breath being eternal. So many critics will say this about King James only people. They'll say the term, how stupid it is to believe in double inspiration. And I don't care if you want to call it that or not, but it's really just as simple. God's breath doesn't expire. It's eternal. God is eternal. His breath is eternal. And so just as God could protect uh, Baruch to copy again his words so that mankind could know it. He could do the very same thing uh, with the King James translators when taking it from the Texas Receptus and putting it into the English language. And again, that'll get you called crazy these days, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'm, I am a little crazy. All right. So, okay, what's this whole first thing we've talked about? We're at 39 minutes, so it's gone a little longer than I thought. This whole first thing is that the, this whole original viewpoint that only the originals, okay, those are the ones that are perfect. Those are the ones that inspired. That's, that's hogwash. I mean, just from breaking down 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, according to what God calls scripture and that scripture is given by inspiration and what Timothy had, that was scripture and that's not the original. That, that take of the original being the only thing that is inspired it's hogwash. So why is that such a big thing? Well, again, it's Satan doing his work to cast doubt on the Word of God. Because what do people do? This is what happens. If you don't believe your Bible is perfect, 
And again, if you don't have a King James Bible, I don't, I don't believe your Bible is perfect. And that's, again, we'll de- defend that over the next several episodes and not as much this, this episode, but I don't believe it. Now, I will say this, because again, I'm I, I you know, glad you're, everybody's listening. I have a lot of good family and friends that read other versions. I'll go as far as to say this. I think you can still grow reading different versions. I'm not so dogmatic to say that you can't because it, it does still contain the principles of the Word of God. But it's like this. If I can have something perfect or I can have something that's decent, I'd rather have something perfect. And that's really where it comes down to. If I can invest my money and have a 12% return or a, or a 6% return, why would I not want the 12% return? I just I want what's real. I want what's better. It's just that simple. Okay? So the second point that we I want to lay out here is as we've talked so much about preservation already is that God promises to preserve his words. At the end of the day, that's why we believe it. That's why we believe it somewhere. And again, you don't have to say for sure that you believe it's in the King James at this point in this episode, but I want you to at least see from these verses that you, it's got to be somewhere. So Kyle, if you want to go to Matthew 24, 35. Uh, Matthew 24, 35. I'm going to go to 1 Peter 1, 25. So again, God, why do we believe that Again, I want to make the statement, if inspiration without preservation is pointless, because what does it matter if God inspired, air quotes, originals, which by the way, was the originals, like they're, they're talking about the first autographs, those things were never compiled together in a, in a 66 book Bible. That's never been a thing. So they've people that claim that, even though most of them are just ignorant, most of them are not doing it to be malicious. They just hear somebody else, some pastor say it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that sounds spiritual. Okay. The problem with that is the, those original autographs, whatever that first time, I mean, half of, some of them were burning the fire in Jeremiah 36. They were never compiled in one book like we have today. So the term Bible believer, you know what the Bible actually means? The word Bible? It means the book. So people that don't believe the Bible they're holding in their hand is perfect, they're actually, they're, they're actually not Bible believers. And they, they think that's crazy, but that's just the way it is, okay? So again, why, inspiration without preservation is, is useless. And we know that there's preservation because God said there would be, again, at the end of the day. So Kyle, you, you have Matthew 24, uh, 35. Go ahead and read that. Yep. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Okay, that's Jesus talking. He says, "He says my words. And I want you to notice, notice that. He doesn't say my, again, I hate to sound whatever, but he doesn't say my principles. He doesn't say my ideas, you know, my seven point outline for life, whatever. He says my words, very, very specific there. They shall not pass away. So again, I want to take a step back. And I want to say, if, if the only thing that was perfectly God's words, individual, were original autographs, which by the way, were burned, many of them, from, from literally thousands of years ago, okay, then that means they did, and we don't have those today. Everybody would, those guys would acknowledge that we don't have those today. They're not around. Then what is actually not the case is that God's words did. He says they wouldn't pass away. Well, they actually did. <laughs> They're not around. 
So Jesus, poor old Jesus, he, he missed it. He said his words would not, would not pass away. Well, they, they, they actually did. According, okay, if you're going to take that logic. Okay, I've got 1 Peter 1.25. Let's see, and it says, But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which, which by the gospel is preached unto you. Okay, and then Kyle, let's both go to Psalm 12. Uh, Psalm chapter 12. So we see that the word of the Lord endureth forever. We see that Jesus says that his word shall not pass away. And by the way, a little disclaimer, most of the modern versions have that verse in there and it's worded similarly. The ESV says that his words won't pass away. The NIV says his words won't pass away. A lot of those versions do, okay? So do you believe the Bible you're reading or not? Because if you believe the Bible you're reading, then you have to believe that Jesus was telling the truth that his words will not pass away. And again, if they won't pass away, that means they're somewhere today. If they're not here today, they passed away. I hope you're seeing the obvious uh, contrast and contradiction in that. They're either here or they're not. Either Jesus was telling the truth or he was lying. And again, he uses this, the 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 actual wording of words because words matter. And okay. Isaiah 40 verse 8 is a... Another, yeah, go ahead, read that. Reference. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. All right, yeah, again, another thing, the, the endurance of it, the fact that it will be around. Okay, Psalm 12, 6 and 7. This is what it says. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried... In a, in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Verse seven, thou shalt keep them. Okay, what's the context? The words of the Lord. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Okay, now we'll probably talk about this more in, in future episodes, but just to kind of throw another disclaimer for the other side of the coin for those that would disagree with our position what most modern versions do in this is verse six talks about the words of the Lord. So verse five is talking about in this text, Psalm 12, is talking about the oppression of the poor. It's talking about people. All right. And then verse six transitions to talking about the words of the Lord. And then verse seven says, thou shalt keep them. So the Lord has moved the context. This is why context is so important. The, word, uh, the Lord has moved the context from the oppression, the, the oppressed people to his words. And then in verse seven, he says, thou shalt keep them. What the modern versions do is they actually make verse seven apply back to verses, to verses five and previous talking about the people. That way there's no promise of preservation to the words of God. Yeah, here, here's verse seven in another verse. It, it's talking verse six, same thing. The words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace of the ground. And then verse seven, this is not the KJV. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. <laughs> yeah. And so this is what it's equivalent to. I don't know if you've known people like this. My wife does this sometimes, and hopefully she listens to this episode and she hears this. Um, I love her. But she'll do this. She'll be talking about one thing. Then she'll go to talking about something else. And then she'll make a statement that I'm like, what in the world does that have to do with what you just said? And she's like, oh, no, no, now I'm talking about the thing I was talking about before. And it's like, she swaps up the context on me and I'm like, I can't follow you. That's impossible. It would be like, you know, I got a Christmas tree in my house. That's beautiful. And it would be like me saying, man, I just love 
I just, I, you know, th- th- that that Christmas tree, it's nice. It's a real Christmas tree. You know, it's it's cool. And then I say, oh, you know, we got to go to work tomorrow. And then I'm talking about my job in the, off- in the office. And then I say, yeah, after Christmas, we need to burn it down. I'm talking to Kyle. Yeah, after Christmas, we're going to have to burn it down. And Kyle's like, good night. You going to burn down the office? I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm back talking about the Christmas tree without any warning. Okay. I got to burn it after Christmas because it'll, you know, it'll go, it'll die. Okay. That's what is happening in other, and again, I love you if you read other versions, but I'm just being honest with you. That's what's happening in other versions is because they can't, they can't afford the people that bring out new additions, uh, these, these, these new versions of the, the word of God, they can't afford for verse six and verse seven to be connected. Because verse 7 is a promise that he will preserve his words, individual specific words. And in order to have a new version, for it to be published and to make money on it, you have to change a third of it. And if you're going, it's a money game. I hate to break it to you, but it's a money game. All the, that's why there's so many of them. It's a money game. Okay. But so again, the, the promise, verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, Purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Okay, again. And as Jesus said in Matthew 24, he said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We've got to get to the place. Okay, you either believe, like I already said, you either believe that Jesus was telling the truth when he said that, you either believe he was telling the truth or you believe he wasn't. And if you believe he wasn't, it may be because you you know you could take the approach, well, maybe that's one of the errors in my Bible. As me, it's a reliable translation, but you know, maybe that's one of the hiccups. That's one of the places they missed it. Okay. If my Bible is 98% accurate, you know what I'm constantly obsessed with? What's the 2% that's not right? What's the, maybe John 3.16 is part of the 2%. They missed something there. Maybe Romans 10.9, Romans 10.13, Romans 6.23. Maybe those are part of the, maybe they missed it there. Like, what is it really saying? What do the originals, I wonder what the originals said. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like Genesis 3.1. That sounds like reinterpretation of the word of God and casting doubt of the word of God. Maybe God didn't really say that. Maybe God did not really say what I have in the Bible that is sitting in front of me. And then you're saying we don't really have a final authority. Absolutely. In our life. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it, it, it gives this whole, this whole problem with Christianity today where people don't really have a, a true good final authority. Because you know what happens when we look at a Bible and we go, you know, I don't know if it's actually accurate. What we then have to do is we have to turn to, normally what people do is they turn to men who are quote unquote scholars. They're so smart that they tell you what it really means and what it really should say rather than taking it word for word as it says. Well, you know, when, when somebody does that, do you know who at the end of their day that their final authority is? It's those men. Or oftentimes people will say, well, what I believe this is really saying is et cetera, et cetera. And who becomes their final authority in that manner? It's, it's themselves. And so at the end of the day, the reason why 
the King James only position is is so attacked and is made fun of and ridiculed or whatever is because people don't want a final authority that, that is that is contrary to what to, to themselves honestly because at the end of the day what if what if all of these things disagree what if I take this King James Bible and I take this ESV and I take this NIV and I take this New American Standard and I take these different things and they what if they say different things and that's what we're going to eventually get to is the comparison of them internal evidence but what if they all disagree what if or what if they say things that are different where, where you, what are you what are you going to settle on where are you going to land the plane to say well this is truth because again that's what we started the episode by saying is we're just trying to decipher where does truth lie and if they say different things then it becomes up to the it becomes uh determined by the individual where the truth is rather than saying you know what this is my final authority. This is where I'm hanging my hat, regardless of, of if it agrees with my life or regardless, regardless of if it, if it offends me, if it cuts me to the core, if it does all these things, it doesn't matter. This is my final authority and this is what I'm hanging my hat on. Man, that's what we believe we, we have in the perfect word of God being preserved in the King James Bible. Okay. Yeah, talk, talking about being preserved. I don't know where you're going next. But, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I was looking in Esther earlier today. We don't have to read all these verses. But uh, Esther, in chapter, you can read it for yourself, chapter 1, 3, and 8, you see that this king uh, puts out these, there's three decrees that go out um, in Esther from a king. Um, and these, these they talk about it being letters, right? And these letters were, it talks about being sent to, in chapter 8, it talks about 100 and. I think it's 127 provinces mm-hmm. it goes out to, and it said it was written in their language, right? So, so a king has wrote these letters. They were written in all these different languages, and, and they were preserved, right? They, they kept the king's words. Um, and then you get to Esther chapter 9, and in verse 29, this is the first time uh, the word authority is used. Actually, let me just flip over to it because I... Need to read the verse. <laughs> Esther 9, 29. Let's be faster. Uh, then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihel and Mordecai, the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter. So they're talking about authority, and it's in connection with writing, right? Mm-hmm. To confirm the words mm-hmm. of this king. That's the first time we see the word authority um, in our Bible. So if... if if an earthly king's words would be preserved and can be translated in all these other languages and mm-hmm. sent to all these places, absolutely. If an earthly king's can be preserved, what what makes you think God, the God of this universe, His words couldn't be preserved? Absolutely, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's just great. And and again, the the without preservation, we can't have an authority, a real authority. Yeah. Okay, because like I said, if it's stuck in the you know again air quotes original autographs what that false even statement in and of itself if it's in that only then we don't have them they weren't preserved and they can't be our final authority and by the way just a side note god says uh, that we'll be judged by his words and i'll be honest with you i've got a problem with the god that would tell me hey this is how i'm gonna judge i'm gonna judge you based on how you stewarded my words but i'm not gonna give them to you that that's a jerk of a god. That's not the god that I serve. That is that is that's that's ridiculous. 
Okay, so just again, those references show us that God promises to preserve his word. So again, maybe you say, Dylan, I don't, I don't believe it's the King James. Okay, fine. I hope we can show you why we emphatically believe it is and are confident that it is. But I want you to at least agree, based on seeing these promises in Scripture, that it's got to be somewhere. God's promise, He's promised to preserve them. They are available today. Okay, and then the last thing is that, that God is big on the, and I wrote this, wrote this down. I'm going to attempt to pronounce this word. God is big on the specificity of his words. Now, I sound like one of them scholars by just saying that word. I, I, I'm poking my chest out right now. I feel good about that, okay? He ha, he's big on that. He's, again, so what many people will do, and uh, Kyle, if you want to go to Matthew 5.18, what many people will do uh, is, is they'll say, well, yeah, he, he's given us his principles, and he's given us his, you know, his ideas and, and yada, yada. Okay, but again, we, we gave you those references that talk about the individual words being preserved, Okay, and, and in many references, it shows us how specific God is on things. Uh, Proverbs 35 is a, is a verse that I, in passing, quote all the time, which says, every word of God is pure. Okay, you notice again how specific God is on that. Every word. Not every idea, not every principle, but, but every word. Okay, and then Kyle, go ahead and read in Matthew 5.18. 518, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Okay, there Jesus is again talking about it not passing, one jot or tittle. That is literally down to the very the very specific parts of, of, of language and writing in and of itself, down to, to the very punctuation. It shall not pass. Okay, John, uh, let's see, I have it, John 6, 63. Let me go there, John 6, where is that? Where's John? Anybody know, any of our listeners know where the book of John is? John 6, verse 63. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words, notice, notice that. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So again, notice the, the specificness of the Lord here, laying out that it's these words, okay, and, and they're spirit. That's why we believe, 1 Corinthians 2, the way that we get the wisdom of God is, it says to, consp- uh, to compare spiritual things with spiritual. Okay, well, what is spirit? Well, it's his words, Okay, so again, notice how, how specific God is in all of that. So again, my whole desire for this first episode in this little series is just to break down to you that God has said over and over and over that he would preserve his words, his individual words. He said they wouldn't pass away, okay? And if we don't have them today, then God lied. And we know from many references that God is not a liar. He cannot lie. No, the book of Numbers says, Titus 1, 2 says something similar, okay? God cannot lie. So we have to get to the place where we either believe that statement, we believe those truths or not. And if we believe those, then we got to answer the question at some point, where are they? Where are his individual words, okay? So I, I, I started off with all of this stuff by laying out the, the flawed position because most of Christianity will say, well, you know, 
we believe in the that the original the originals were inspired. Okay, well again, the problem with that is 2 Timothy 3 says that the same scriptures, which is things written down, that Timothy had, that those are given by inspiration. And what is inspiration? That's God's breath. God's breath is eternal just as he is eternal. Okay, that is the case. All right, so I, this is how I plan on closing this thing out. And this is, this is literally no hatred on any of these, these churches or or people groups or whatever. Uh, but just to show you that I'm not not just making this stuff up, I went to a few statement of faiths on different websites of churches and colleges to show you that this is actually what they what they again they do claim. So First Baptist of Atlanta, we are in the West Metro of Atlanta area, and so it's a very popular church. Charles Stanley used to be the pastor there. By the way, he's passed away now. By the way, I, I like Charles Stanley for the most part. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of the things he would say, but I, I like him. I like more of his stuff than I dislike. Um, but this is what this is what the church on their website, their statement of faith, what they say about the scriptures. We believe, and you can look this up for yourself, at First Baptist of Atlanta. We believe that the entire Bible is the inspired word of God and that men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. Okay, that sounds great, but there's more. The Bible is therefore without error, parentheses, inerrant, in its original manuscripts. Hmm. So what are they saying there? They're saying that it is inerrant only in, if they're going to say it's inerrant and specifically inerrant in the original manuscripts, then they don't believe it's inerrant in what they have today. Because again, they don't have the originals. What we have right now is close to it. Yeah, that's what they'll say. It's close. It's good. It's, you know, it's mostly right. Okay. All right. So that's First Baptist of Atlanta. Here's Liberty University. I thought I'd throw a college in there. Thought I'd throw a college. Uh, again, no, I mean, I can see people getting upset. I mean, honestly, I have nothing against First Baptist Atlanta. I have nothing against Liberty. I know many people that have gone there, good people. Probably good to get a Christian degree from there, I reckon. But this is what it says. This is their statement of faith on the Word of God. We affirm that the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, though written by men, was supernaturally inspired by God. Hey, amen. We agree was supernaturally inspired by God so that all its words are written true uh, are the written true revelation of God that sounds awesome semicolon it is therefore inerrant in the originals and authoritative in all matters there it is again this this literal literally made up mindset that that the originals were ever compiled in a book together because they weren't and that and that they those were that is actually what is inspired and that is actually what is inerrant and perfect well again it doesn't matter if they were if we don't have access to them because we don't we don't have access to those okay and then here's one more this is grace community church out in california this is john MacArthur's church popular guy popular church this is what he says about the holy scriptures we teach that the Bible is God's written revelation to man, and thus the 66 books of the Bible given to us by the Holy Spirit constitute the plenary, parentheses, inspired equally in all parts, Word of God. We teach that the Word of God is, is an objective, 
propositional revelation, verbally inspired. Hey, we believe it started off as verbally inspired, as we, we mentioned, 2 Peter 1.21. Verbally inspired in every word, absolutely uh, inerrant in the original documents, infallible and God-breathed. So do you know what they actually what they're saying there is they only believe the the only time that it was God breathed was the originals. Okay? So man, I could go by the way, I could go to 50 more. I, it's actually funny. I'll say this kind of as a joke in passing. Uh, I looked up Elevation Church. Uh, that is uh, Stephen Furtick. Uh, cuz you know like somebody like him Normally, I would be like, okay, yeah, surely his are got to be off in left field. Like, this will make good podcast info. His actually sounded better than like First Baptist Church of Atlanta, like closer to what you know. I'm like, good job, you know, good job, Furtick. Got a boy. Okay, uh, that has nothing to do with anything, but just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, but okay, so these what I, what I just read these three different websites: uh, First Baptist Church of Atlanta, Liberty University, and John MacArthur's Church. Again, I got I got nothing against any of those. Uh, churches or whatever. I, I, I don't. But the problem is, it, that's where it starts. It starts with just a little bit of doubt. Okay, hey, you know what? The originals were were infallible, but not what we have today. Okay, it, it, the, the, they, again, they believe in inspiration, but they don't believe in preservation. Therefore, they don't believe what we have today is inspired or anywhere on the planet, that, that none of it uh, is given by inspiration. And again, if that's not the case, if it's not God breathed, then it's not, it's not God's perfect words. And if it's not God's perfect words, then it is partially in error. And if we have a book that we're approaching that is partially in error, our faith is not settled and rested in that securely because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so if I'm always approaching the Bible that I have in, in, in question form, just as Satan did in Genesis 3.1, man, you know what that does? That does uh, destroy my faith. That doesn't allow me to build faith in the very promises and words of God as God has intended to speak to me. And where, okay, so the example I gave you, that's where it starts. That's where majority of Christianity is. But if we're not careful, you know what it does? That stuff leads to even more doubt into even less uh, authority of Scripture, into even less confidence in Scripture. And so I, I brought, a, brought out a quote uh, by old Andy Stanley. And I just hate, I, I wasn't hating on Charles Stanley, but I did mention the church he pastored for a long time. And now I'm quoting a bad quote on Andy Stanley. I got nothing against the Stanley family. God bless them. I really don't. But this is what Andy Stanley said. He's known for all kind of bad things. And if you're a Bible believer, he's terrible. Um, but this is what it says. If the Bible is the... He doesn't believe that our foundation of faith is in the Word of God. Again, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But, you know, that's just, that's just what the Bible says. But Andy Stanley says, Andy Stanley says, if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, it is all or nothing. Which I agree with. That's why I believe it's all. He says Christianity becomes a fragile house of cards religion. Christianity... Uh, let's see. Christianity becomes a fragile house of cards that comes tumbling down when we discover that perhaps the walls of Jericho didn't fall. Oh, that's concerning that he would say that. <laughs> okay, so I guess he's bringing that into question. Which, by the way, if they didn't fall, then the Bible is a lot. He says, it's a house of cards. 
So as soon as you pull out one piece of the Bible and say, this is a myth, well, then immediately it's like, well, what else in there is a myth? The foundation of our faith is not the scripture. The foundation of our faith is not the infallibility of the Bible. The foundation of our faith is something that happened in history. And the issue is, who is Jesus? Christianity does not exist because of the Bible any more than you exist because of your birth certificate. And that's just a terrible, a terrible, uh, that whole statement is just hogwash and garbage. But at the end of the day, what Andy Stanley is saying is, is that he doesn't believe in the, inf- the infallibility of the Word of God. Therefore, he can't hang his faith and his hat on what it says. So again, just like the example I was given earlier, you know what that does? I, I have nothing against Andy Stanley other than the fact he's, an her- he's a heretic, okay? God was. I'm not really kidding. I'm not, but I'm kidding. Just making light. But at the end of the day, Andy Stanley is his own final authority. History, whatever that is. I guess the history books are more, are more secure than the Word of God because he says it's based on history of what Jesus did. Okay, this is the stupidity of that. We don't know Jesus Christ without the Bible that we hold in our hands. But yet, again, he's not the only one. This is such a growing thing and has been for, for the last hundred years. But they don't believe that our faith actually comes from this book because they don't believe in a perfect book because they don't believe that God preserved his words. So this went a lot longer than I thought it would, and I, 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 I say that every week. So I guess I just need to stop saying that. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is, the, this is what I desire the takeaway be. God has given promises of preservation. Inspiration without preservation is pointless. God has given promises of preservation. He's either telling the truth or he's lying. If he's telling the truth, if you at least believe the Bible enough to say, you know what, he's telling the truth, then we got to figure out where it's at. And we'll seek to dissect why we believe it's where it's at in the King James over the next few weeks, I reckon. Could be a long series. Yes, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah, I just, I hope the listeners got from this that that God inspired men to write down his words. He he oversaw the whole process, right? And he's, he's accurately preserved his words, right? And then we can have confidence that the Bible we have in our hands today is God's literal words, right? And and I get authority's not really a popular subject, no. but but we have to have an absolute and final authority in our life, right? Um, because if we don't, then there's there's no point in preaching or or telling anyone anything about any of this. There's no point to it if we don't have an absolute authority, right? So from this, well, I mean, we have to believe it. We have to believe that what we have, or otherwise, if we don't believe what we have is God's words, then then we can't convince anyone that this is the truth. Right. right? That's not right. Um, but a verse I was just looking at was John 5, 46 and 47. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Right. So if we don't believe what we're right. reading is the literal words of God, uh, I mean, then, then we're being a critic of the scripture and we're basically saying we're superior. That's right. We become our own final authority. <laughs> yeah. Over and over, it's that same cycle over and over and over again. Yep. So that was a good one, I think. It was, it was pretty long, though. Yeah. But, all right. Yeah. Not as long as the last one. Yeah. yeah. We hope you listen to the whole thing. Yeah. If, you yeah. Have, if you're hearing this, you have. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this one was uh, on preservation. Um, and then as we go through this, we'll get more into the, into the KJV 
appreciated each step we go along. Don't forget, share it to your social medias when you listen to this. Whatever platform you're on, share it. Share it so we can get it out there, get the word out there. All right, thanks for listening.